Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was booted! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. And my name is Ben, and we are here, as always, with our super producer, Noel Tigerblood Brown. In this case, however, our nickname for Noel has almost nothing to do with this episode. We were just talking about the India, the population of tigers in India. Yes, absolutely nothing to do with yeah, the actual show. Kind of like a, the old tea in China statement. So let's get to our actual show because this is a very special episode. Uh, we are joined today by a friend of ours and co-worker, our special guest for today, ladies and gentlemen, co-host of Forward Thinking and Stuff to Blow Your Mind, Joe McCormick. Hi, everybody. Hey, Joe. Uh, applause. Yeah. The crowd goes wild. It is Ooh. a privilege to be on the show with you creeps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's, Thanks. It's an awesome. We just love having you here. We, You listeners may remember that we've had Joe on before. Uh-huh, for our Tunguska event. Oh, that was a lot of fun. I always love talking about Tunguska. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's creepy to have you here as well, or yeah. whatever it was you said. Did we? <laughs> did we? <laughs> on that one, I can't remember. Did we talk about the theory that, uh, that Nikola Tesla was testing his death ray, and that's what happened at the Tunguska we event? We did. I think we, we did. That, I about think we did. how that's not right at all. I think the timing wouldn't work out or something. Right, yeah, the problem. Problem, uh, the problem is that in both instances, the life of Nikola Tesla and the Tunguska event, we have pretty solidly established timelines. Why are that, you guys crushing my dreams? 
Oh man, dreams are there are all kinds of dreams out there in the zeitgeist. You know? I want Nikola Tesla's death ray to do things. <laughs> there, there are uh, there are attempts to build death rays right now. You know, the uh, the U.S. military is working on a pretty good uh, pain inducing microwave thing. In uh, you know what? Speaking of <laughs> speaking of amazing segues, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some technology based things today. But first, we've got to walk through something that really interested uh, the the three of us, well, the four of us as well. Uh, Noel, I assume you're interested in this. You give me a nod. Okay, that's kind of a nod. He's that over was it. a sarcastic nod. Yeah, that was oh, a very. No. You have an amazing command of physicality, my friend. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll talk with you about that in a second. But what what interested us this week was the concept of uh, the concept of online communication in general, right? Yes, and in particular, something that is a a huge matter of import to people who listen to this show, to people who go on conspiracy websites, the idea of a shill. What is a shill? (laughs) Yeah, And sometimes you run into the problem of how can you tell the difference between somebody's honest-to-goodness, just real patriotic uncle and a legit paid government shill. Yes. Right, yeah, there's, uh, there was this old rule about, uh, or, you know, rule of thumb made up thing uh, about how difficult it would be to discern the, the sincerity from the satire, and I cannot recall the name of it right oh, now. Oh, you're talking about Poe? Uh, yeah, yeah, Poe's yeah. Poe's Law, yeah. Poe's Law. Poe's Law, I believe it's something like on the Internet, it's difficult to tell uh, legitimate extremism from the satire thereof. Mm-hmm. So if somebody puts up a post on the web saying, I think we should round up all red-haired people and make them work until they die, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to tell if they're making fun of somebody else's extremism or if that's just really somebody who thinks that. Right. D- did you see the Onion article that came out recently where they discussed uh, with the Iran deal that's that was in talks? Mm-hmm. About how the U.S. just, to, in order to calm down Bibi, gave him some some weapons, gave Israel some yeah, weapons. The headline was something like, uh, Obama soothes Netanyahu with gift basket of ballistic missiles. Yeah. And then the announcement came in, within 24 hours that, oh, yes, that is, in fact, what's happening. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, I imagine the comment section on a lot of those are, those things are, are growing like wildfire now. You've probably seen it if you were in a, any kind of um, news forum where people can make comments, at times something a little tricky starts to happen, right? Somebody says, well, here's a story about, um, and we can fill in some more specific examples later, mm-hmm. but somebody, for instance, says, uh, here's a story about what Russia is doing wrong in Crimea or something. Mm-hmm. And then for a few hours, right? Everything's okay. People are responding one-on-one to comments. Well, I don't know if everything's okay. For a few hours, you have the normal organic growth of garbage Good call. in the comments <laughs> yeah, section. Not necessarily, not necessarily okay. Yeah, because you'll still have, you'll still have that. But then. But at least it's for real. Yeah, but then. Take me to the plot twist. What happens, Joe? Well, at a certain point, you might notice that there is a massive influx of 
messages that are repeating almost the exact same theme that in this case would be a pro-Russian government message mm-hmm. that uh, that maybe criticizes foreign leaders or rivals to Vladimir Putin or that uh, criticizes people for criticizing the Russian government, saying that they're part of a CIA plot or something or any number of other things. And they seem strangely unified in their message. Even unto the language they use. Yeah, and in some cases, this is probably not a coincidence. (laughs) Dare we call it a conspiracy? That's right. Online manipulators professionally paid or somehow professionally induced, rewarded, somehow organized, that's Mm -hmm. the key, uh, people attempting to sway the quote-unquote narrative of a conversation in the uh, digital space. And sometimes not even sway. Sometimes just muddy the waters. Or yeah. just inundate the comment section. Mm-hmm. Such, Yeah, that's that's yeah. a great point. So uh, when we, we did a video about this, right, and we made a, a couple of points about online manipulators. Yeah, I think one of the things that's important to start with is the question of why such a thing as a shill exists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like why you would put a plant in the audience, because this is a, a sort of psychological fact about human beings is that we're sensitive to the sources of information. Mm-hmm. Like when we judge the truth of, of an argument or a claim, sometimes we're even more sensitive to who it comes from than we are to the content of it. Sure. You can see that in uh, pitch meetings in uh, businesses across the planet. <laughs> sure. Yes. There, there might be the, the teacher's pet or the boss's pet in your office who, you know, whatever kind of drivel comes out of their mouth. Oh, that's gold. <laughs> you know? Oh dear. Uh, or, or you can see this in your own judgment. I mean, you probably naturally have some suspicion about messages that come to you directly from sort of the public relations arm of a government or organization, especially when they seem to serve the interests of that very government or organization. So if the PR representative of a major corporation tells you our products are not harmful, that does not necessarily carry the same weight to you as if the same message came from a disinterested third party or sure. just some friend of yours. And it's pretty clear why that is. You know, mm-hmm. we're suspicious of people's motives when they're passing along information. And this comes through in the way governments try to pass along propaganda. It's in their interest to, to make it look like it's coming from someone mm-hmm. other than the public relations arm of the government. Absolutely. This is something that I'm glad you bring up the idea of government stuff because this is something that – uh, Matt and I have looked at before wherein, you know, you're not going to, uh, believe the press secretary of the executive branch when they say the new law that the president is creating is in fact the best law. And it's, uh, it, it's objective. That's why he did it. Uh, and also you have to be suspicious of any, uh, any popular journalism that reports something from an unnamed government official who did <laughs> yeah. not want to go on record. And, and we, we see this, and it, it's a great point. We see this effort to obfuscate the, uh, the source of information, right? Uh, and sometimes the, the source of information can be from an advocacy group. With a name right. that you just go, okay, I've never heard of that before, but it seems legit. It seems legit, yeah. The Society of Completely Objective Doctors. Yeah. I mean, yeah. something we'll get into a little later, but <laughs> I just, when, when you're speaking about that, Joe, I was just thinking and imagining, uh, if, 
Okay, so your your example was talking about a PR firm coming directly out and saying, sure. this is great. Yeah. The Then you might have on the other side an advocacy group or supposedly an advocacy group that says, no, we've done testing and these things, these products are safe. And yeah. then, boom, another advocacy group comes <laughs> up with uh, a relatively young history. Like, let's walk through smoking. So some, we'll, we'll see this smoking is a, is a great example for cigarettes of uh, the – actions of uh, a couple of these practices that we've seen before where all of a sudden a group of quote-unquote concerned citizens says, uh, you know, we're concerned about people impinging on smokers' rights and all this <laughs> uh, all this overblown government hooey that uh, smoking uh, causes cancer when we all know that red meat is the real killer, right? <laughs> uh, or something like that, you know, it's a diversion. And I'm I'm just styling on it right there. I don't think that their argument was red meat. But um, to, to bring it back to this, we, we know that the propaganda, this kind of manipulation or uh, false perspective, these facades have existed before the digital age. But now this new age of information is changing them to the point where not only are there online manipulators, but there's there's more than one kind. There's an ecosystem of sorts. Sure. Well, the web has increased the average person's ability to say things with anonymity, but it's also increased governments and corporations' ability to say things with anonymity. You can always introduce more layers of, as you said, obfuscation mm-hmm. into the, the the sort of chain of hunting, like who was it who's actually behind this message? Right. On the Internet, sometimes it's impossible to figure out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that leads to the common practice I'm sure you all are very familiar with of sock puppetry. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yes. Now, I do it all the time at my house. <laughs> like, yeah. No, and, no, and no. We're going to make a show with sock puppets at one time. Yeah, we probably still will. I, I appreciate you playing the straight man, Matt, but <laughs> I know you know what I'm talking about. Internet sock puppetry. So this could go a bunch of different ways. Here's one example. Author writes a book. Book gets published. Author sees that his book has two Amazon reviews. One is two stars and one is one star. Ooh, ouch. So this is a problem. He's probably going to have a lot harder time selling this book if that's all that's sitting out there. So maybe he might wait a couple days for the good reviews to pour in, but it's just not happening. Right. Let's specify the name of the book. Get people really in the moment. The book is Chomp, A Comprehensive History of People Biting Other People to Death with Dentures. Oh, I was the two-star review. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, that was me. Yeah, and they (laughs) say, like, biased, and there's just two stars, and that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But so... So it's not doing the well. Author, yeah, yeah, the author of Chomped says, I've got to take matters into my own hands. So he goes and he creates some accounts that could be, for all we, the other users know, actual different people, but no, they're all him. And they're all given the book rave reviews, five stars, a brilliant tour de force, mm-hmm. five stars, best book I've ever read in my life, <laughs> right. five stars, I'll never look at dentures the same way again. Yeah, take a bite out of history with Chomp. Right? Yeah, and suddenly Chomp is a very highly rated book. Mm-hmm. Now, there might be some, in an actual system like Amazon, there might be some measures put in place to try to use some some clues to prevent that sort of thing from right, happening. Right. Age of account holder, stuff like sure. that. Sure. Length of account. Right, but there are 
these situations where people try to pretend to represent other third-party opinions when really it's just one guy who made 500 different accounts with 500 different email addresses. Yeah, and right. that's really all it takes now with most of these sites and apps. You need an email address. Yeah. And there you go. Wait, 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 wait. Guys, I'm... You know, as I am relatively amoral, I, this doesn't seem like a bad idea to me, but it seems kind of inconvenient. <laughs> like, walk me through this day of this sock puppet master. Okay, well, here's where the problem comes in, because let's say he's not facing this problem of whatever platform he's trying to spam sure. with all of his sock puppetry. Uh, it's not actually sniffing out the fact that he's just one guy. They're all coming from the same IP address. Maybe he uses some some tools to get around that, uses proxies and and clever tricks to really try to look like 700 different people, even then it's really going to be eating into his schedule. It takes a lot of time to do this. But, you know, something else he could do is he could hire a bunch of his friends. Oh. Yeah. Now, the problem there is his friends might not keep the secret, and this would be really embarrassing if it got out. Right. So he would have to probably make them sign a non-disclosure agreement or something that would be legally binding or enforceable so that he could punish them in some way if they leaked his secrets. But whatever the situation is, he would get different people to be the sock puppet operators for him. And th- th- there's a term that sometimes shows up for this kind of thing on the Internet, and that term is meat puppets, not necessarily referring to the band. <laughs> right, But right, the idea right. is, a, is a sock puppet that's a real human being. It's made of meat. So there, it's not just <laughs> you logging out and then logging back in with a different username to, to leave a different comment pretending to be somebody else. It's a real other person. The deal is they're just not acting of their own agency or independently. They're acting based on your marching orders. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're having, uh, something that's, that's much smarter, uh, as a system overall, you're able to delegate. Yeah. Right? Well, and one of the interesting things that happens now, instead of one person using all these accounts, now you have physical people using a multiple amount or multiple accounts like this, and you kind of have a weird little army, I guess, in yeah. a way. It's in, and, uh, let's take a second. So we've got, we've got some good terms here. We've got sock puppets. We've got meat puppets. We should also address something that a lot of people use synonymously, which may, maybe is not the case. And it's the idea of trolls. Yeah. So there's one particular example we're going to get to in this podcast, which is the idea of Russia's troll army, mm-hmm. which uh, is not not physical trolls like in Troll Hunter. No, that would be really that cool. would be amazing. Yeah. I would be behind that army, whatever <laughs> cause they served. Right. Oh, I really? welcome our troll overlords. But no, th- this is the idea of the online troll, somebody who shows up to cause grief, frustration, panic and demoralization in right. an online uh, forum. They're basically. agents of chaos. Yeah. Yeah. You Usually just, it seems like their main goals are getting attention and getting giggles. Some people just want to see the thread burn, you know? That's right. Uh, so the idea, and that's sort of the idea of a troll to me. A, a troll inherently is a sort of an anarchic force, usually not directed. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we should specify that people do use this term referring to what we just talked about, these meat puppets acting on behalf of somebody with nefarious goals trying to hide the fact that they are one person spreading their agenda through many. Mm-hmm. Well, in many cases too, we we can't. We have to be careful when we assume the motivation because many people who will be doing this likely assume that they're doing it for a greater good mm-hmm. or 
or, you know, the funny thing that happens psychologically when someone is paid to do a task, uh, we start to, yeah, we start to rationalize, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh. Gotta put food on my family. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Where wings How else am I gonna do it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but the, um, that, but I think that's I think that's a great point. Like this, the idea of a troll is not necessarily synonymous. Though I think in some cases, meat puppets can be trolls, and this actually can serve the agenda of some state actors sure, in some cases. Sure. So here's an example. Let's say you are the managing the Internet Information Bureau mm-hmm. of some government, yep, yep. and you've got a pesky online newspaper that keeps publishing articles critical of the glorious, powerful, wonderful leader you serve. Right. We already had an election. Yeah. Exactly. Why are people, like, lobbing all these unfair criticisms at this wonderful, glorious man? Mm-hmm. Maybe what I could do instead of spamming the comment sections of these online articles with good things about the leader mm-hmm. is to just spam them with horrible, horrible messages that are juvenile, full of profanity and right. disgusting imagery mm-hmm. and generally make people not want to look at the comments. Bad grammar as well. Yeah. PM me your sexy butts. Yeah. <laughs> this actually. <laughs> you seen that one? Yeah. Yeah. This, this could serve the agenda of this wonderful, powerful, sure. glorious, merciful leader, mm. because even though good messages aren't getting out, it's definitely shutting down a space where otherwise reasoned and constructive criticism might have occurred. Right. This is a place where people might have been sharing ideas about how to put together an opposition party mm-hmm. or sharing uh, links and ideas that spread yet more bad information. So if you just stink up the joint, people right. aren't going to want to be there. And there are allegations that real government paid online manipulators have done this very thing, that they're not always just trying to say, look, Russia is an amazing country. Sometimes <laughs> they just want to say poo-poo, but pee-pee mm-hmm. to make people go away. Yeah, and then there's there's also the... Uh there's also the idea of taking an extremist stance, like like one of the um, the word extremist is become as much of a boogeyman as the word you know terrorist or communist. Well, I mean, it's also just painfully imprecise. Yes, yeah. it is. It is. Uh, there's uh, one person's extremist is someone else's moderate, right? Yeah. But the uh, the the thing that also can occur is when somebody muddies the water by. Going on to something that a the government or, or a company would officially consider extremist, and then trying to take it even farther, further, and saying, uh, saying, you know, um, guys, these peaceful protests are BS. Yeah. What we really need to do is cut off some heads, FedEx some toes, get this party started. In a <sighs> debate, you would call this tactic. Creating a straw man. Yes. So if I'm arguing with Ben and Ben's position is, uh, I think we should lower taxes. Um, I would say, so Ben has argued that we should have no taxes and that we should behead all people who suggest there should be taxes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to just make his opinion look awful so it's easier for me to strike down. Yeah. You can do the same thing 
with sock puppetry. So taking the opposition stance, pretending to be one of the people you oppose, but making their position look so extreme and unpleasant yeah. that people won't want to identify with it. Yeah, which sometimes yeah. you only have to take it a little bit further. And yeah. that's all that it takes. And yeah. everybody's like, I don't know. I mean, I do that all the time on recipe forums because I have some <laughs> fairly strong opinions. About the right. amount of hazelnut in a recipe or yeah, something? Yeah, people who put their Marmite on the top side of the toast ought to die. Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Seuss was right. Uh, but uh, there are a couple of other, um, there are a couple of other terms here that we should also look at because uh, it's, uh, uh, it's not uh, simply a matter of human interaction. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. 
Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. No, that's exactly right, because bots are also starting to enter the picture. So we've got sock puppets, one guy operating 37 different accounts to purvey his message. We've got meat puppets, him hiring 37 people to purvey his message. Then we've got bots, which are pieces of software that do the same thing. Well, not physical robots yet. No, they're, they're software. I mean, if, well, if you wanted to, I guess you could really put the time and money into <laughs> making a robot life. that types on the computer. <laughs> but I've never heard of one like that. No, you know, yeah, these are software programs that pretend to be agents online, but in fact, they're not agents. They're just pieces of software doing what they're programmed to do. And at this point, like the uh, early stages of the Terminator universe, these things are fairly easy to discern in comparison yeah. to other some other things. Yeah, because often the bots of today are not very interactive and they don't offer very specially tailored messages like the natural language processing is not good enough yet that they can really engage in a substantial argument with another commenter or, or react to the specifics of the article they're commenting yeah. on. It's more just that they might repeat the same government message over and over again verbatim or just retweet the same link sure. over and over. Yeah, this is something that uh, I, I'd love for you to try out if you get a chance, listeners, if you haven't heard of it yet. Uh, Cleverbot. Yes. You, get, you guys remember Cleverbot? It's it's fairly old now, but we've discussed it several times, or at least mentioned it several times. Yeah. So, if you want to see one of the uh, one of the public expressions of this software for language processing go to cleverbot and have a conversation with cleverbot you just it's like you're texting somebody every time i've done it i've ended up being in an argument mm-hmm. that's ultimately cuz all cleverbot does is tell you things that have been said to it before and apparently a lot of people were just monsters when they were talking to this yeah. poor guy mm-hmm. cuz i've been the nicest i can and then i get you know cleverbot is also fond of calling you a robot just yes. heads up well that's funny i've i've heard actually that in these uh, these turing test situations uh-huh. where people 
so they're actually trying to test a program to see how well it passes the Turing test, right. like how well a chatbot can pretend to be a human. And sometimes they'll have humans actually sitting in in these chats to be, you know, the the control group, basically. Ah, uh, yeah. To to which the AI programs are compared. You know, can you tell the difference for real? And some of the humans, I, I remember, I've heard they said that the easiest way to prove you're really a human is to be very mean and sarcastic. Because the robots are not very good at doing that convincingly. Ah, wow. Then, okay, so, uh, this is something that can give you a good sense of where bots are now. And, uh, I guess try to, uh, get, uh, some sarcasm from, uh, the next flame war you're in. And that might be your Turing test. There's, uh, one other term we should establish. Yeah, and that term is astroturfing. You'll see this referenced online. And astroturfing is sort of uh, a play on the term grassroots. So the idea of a grassroots movement is what? It's like a spontaneous mm-hmm. upwelling of genuine feelings of support from mm-hmm. the public. Lots of people in a grassroots organization kind of way come together to support, I don't know, the Bernie Sanders. Cause, yeah. Somebody, you know, oh, we really care about this politician because the people. Right. But then you can also organize movements that are just designed to look like that's what they are. Just lay down some AstroTurf. Right. Yeah. So you, you you might be some kind of a corporate sponsorship group that gets a bunch of people together that you're paying to look like they're a crowd that has turned up in just enthusiastic, genuine support of you. Yeah, which is uh, so Edward Bernays pioneered a lot of this stuff. Oh, yeah. As you know, listeners, as you are versed in Mr. Edward Bernays, father of public relations and propaganda, he's had his hands in this since the beginning. And uh, as we have seen, Mr. Bernays was very good at working with corporations mm-hmm. and companies to get the what they wanted to get across. across. And uh, we can see this isn't just governments doing this. This is also companies, corporations. And they'll do things like kind of what we had talked about earlier. They'll go. Are you are you solving a Rubik's cube right now, Joe? No, I'm just fiddling with it. Oh, okay. It looked more solved than when I glanced at it earlier. That's how I fiddle. <laughs> fiddle by solving. Fiddle productively. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're saying so. You're saying there that uh, you're you're saying that these corporations will use similar tactics: sock meat puppets, uh, astroturfing, and so on. Uh, and, and, and to, to what end? Well, yeah, because a lot of what corporation, a lot of what you see on a corporation's end now are reviews, which mm. is interesting to think about. When I want to know about a company, I go to Yelp. I don't know if anybody else does that or I go to a similar thing. Just what, what is this like? What is this? Better business bureau. Better, yeah, something instance, else. I don't yeah. go to the website because of, I think now we're all aware of what PR firms are and yeah. anyone who makes a website for a company. <laughs> Their job is not to tell you the truth. It's, it's to make the yeah. company look good. I mean, exactly. So everybody understands. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting against that. Just side note on my, uh, on any of my books, I go through and sock puppet my own reviews and give them all like one star. Uh, and like, <laughs> I, you know, I thought this could have been better. Um, you're too you know. hard on yourself, Ben. Well, you know what? That means that if there's a decent review, then it, I earned that one. <laughs> uh, anyway, we, we digress. We digress. No, it's to make yourself look like an outsider. You know? no, no. You've got you've got outsider cred because of all these one star reviews. And they'll be all like backhanded insults, compliments yeah. of disguise. Like this is too edgy for me. Yeah, I hated how I couldn't put it down. <laughs> but but yeah, so companies but yeah, companies it, will we can't trust the. Uh, 
that we can't trust the trumpets blown by you know members of their own band, right? Sure, yeah. And and if a company can effectively make use of some of these techniques, then why the heck would you not? Because oh. it, it, is it illegal? Well, That's a tough question. I think uh, there has been a mixed case history on this. Would you agree with that, Ben? Yes. I completely agree because it's hard it's it's a um actually I completely degree because it's a matter of degree with oh. this. <laughs> yeah. There goes that there goes that uh English degree. Sorry, Mom. Uh, anyhow, the, uh, in 2013, New York Attorney General uh, Eric T. Schneiderman did a big takedown of all these different groups, right? 19 companies in general uh, in, in total. He uh, called astroturfing. He specifically took them down for that. He called astroturfing the 21st century version of false advertising because these companies were doing the following. They were offering to go to someone's like, you know, on Craigslist or something, they want to say, we'll go to, um, we'll go to, uh, Yelp for you. We'll go to a website. We've got these age, aged accounts that already look like they're a live person. Ah, so you're getting around the sort of smarter countermeasures of saying, like, wait a second, was this account just created a minute ago with right. no picture and nothing? Right, right, yeah. right. This account has so many likes already. Yeah. Yeah. They also post puppies, so we know it's got to be real. Uh, so he found that these companies weren't just uh, using their own employees to write and post reviews. In fact, they were so successful, they were hiring freelancers from uh, from other companies countries to write these reviews so you could get um you, you know you couldn't go too hard on the paint you can't all of a sudden have a hundred five-star reviews in the space of an afternoon people will notice you gotta have a couple threes couple fours yeah yeah, yeah. uh and you've got to have a, a time span mm-hmm. across this too uh this practice spread across industries you know retail stores uh restaurants even video games which i know has got to be close to your heart matt yeah, uh, there was, well, I forget which one, what was the specific example that we went over or the video game? Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave. And then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. 
It's so easy to think, it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, uh, let's see. There were uh, there were some companies that got caught having their interns write reviews. That was what it was. Electronic Arts is notorious for being caught uh, going into forums and trying to change public opinion. Or <laughs> it's, <laughs> what, what what forum does that take? Is it like there's a bug in this game? Uh, actually, it just makes the game more fun. <laughs> It kind of is like it's very difficult to fix these well, problems, guys. Like, Let's isn't be fair. it funny when the quarterback has no arms? You know, because <laughs> well, you know, EA is one of those massive companies now that's just been gobbling up all the other ones. And there's a tremendous amount of animosity from uh, grassroots gamers right. against sure. EA. So you need to do a little astroturfing to make up for it. And I don't, you know, I, I'll be honest with you guys. Gamers, write in and let us know what you think. But I have not, I haven't really played any EA games. Oh, yes, you have. I have, and I just I don't sure. know. Don't yes. they make basically all sports games? It, it, 
Man, just go go online, just search EA Games. I think there's a wiki that goes through and and shows all the ones that they've had their hands. Did on. they do they own Mortal Kombat through a claim or something? I honestly don't know. Well, if they did, that would be one game I played, and I'm not a huge fan of Mortal Kombat. Sorry, did they guys. own Shaq Fu? Because <laughs> I am a huge fan of Shaq Fu. Yeah. Guys, I, I'm sorry, I'm not the guru. I, I just I just like him a lot. Uh, so well, but <laughs> I don't want to pretend like. Uh, I am a, a an expert. I'm a not a self-appointed man. expert. Here. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're, you you're more that. of a grassroots voice. That's yeah, right. right. <laughs> so let's get bigger too, right? The internet. I love you said that. That's a great segue. The internet's full of self-appointed experts. The so-called citizens group. Bernays was a big fan of this himself. Nonprofit advocates, organizations claiming to bre- present a non-biased, uh, objective view, and you'll often hear. The phrase common sense. Oh yeah. There are a couple of key phrases that will be like, uh, yellow cards or, or red flags to me when, when someone says a group of concerned citizens and begins naming them by profession, you know, like mm-hmm. a group of concerned stakeholders and citizens just like you, including property owners, uh, uh lumber professionals, and blah, dentists. blah, blah. Yeah, dentists. Oh, it's great when they start citing engineers and doctors as scientists. Uh, I mean, no offense to engineers and doctors, like right. smart, smart people. Sure. Yeah, but, but it's great when it's like you see some of these organizations, a, a group of scientists, they're all MDs and engineers. <laughs> Why? Yeah, right. Exactly. And so the, the internet is replete with, uh, these, these groups, uh, that can be also made by lobbyists, which we'll get to one of our other points. Um, and they're advocating the, um, in, in sometimes in a very circuitous way, they're advocating for their own political agenda or the sorts of laws they want to change or policies they want to change. Uh, one of my favorites was one called Hands Off the Internet. <laughs> Which was let me guess, let me guess. Yeah. This was against net neutrality. Yeah, it was a well. They never use the word net neutrality on the website. This is a group of concerned citizens, ah, right? I who, see. Uh, you know, they were getting. They don't want Obamacare for the internet, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, <laughs> or they don't want. You know, they they said that the uh, the internet would um, the internet would suffer eventually if there were if there were even things like. Um, Cities being allowed to build their own municipal broadband. Yeah. Like how would, what a, what a terrible thing. And it was painted as this, as this big government thing. And guys, listeners, it doesn't matter what side of the political divide you might fall on or what side of the argument for net neutrality you would fall on. The point is there's a disingenuous yet widespread practice for any kind of political ideology, the left, the right, the center, I don't know if there's a top or bottom, but those guys too, uh, to put on this fake, uh, this fake front and pretend to be something they are not to trick someone through the use of buzzwords and thought terminating cliches to support whatever X happens to be. You're so right, Ben. Well, I'm yeah. just, I'm stepping off the soapbox. I just want to say yeah. that there is a bottom of the barrel and this is how you scrape it. This is how you scrape it. Uh, so. Burn! <laughs> okay, but we should talk about some actual examples of governments being yes, suspected of, of using sock puppetry, meat puppetry, and just generally armies of paid online manipulators. And, of course, one of the biggest examples that's been chronicled in the international media is the Kremlin. Mm-hmm. Is Russia's government, especially in recent years. I, I don't know exactly how far back this practice goes, but I have read suggestions that it goes back to the early 2000s. Uh-huh. 
more recently in 2014, there was a hacker group called Anonymous International, which from what I can tell is not actually affiliated with Anonymous, but it's, but it's how hard to know? be certain. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, they released this huge batch of documents that included emails that had been stolen from people who were supposedly operating a Kremlin-funded online manipulation scam that employed perhaps thousands of Russians. Mm -hmm. And these would be operating in multiple venues. So you might have people leaving blog posts or sort of like Russian live journal posts in Russian language blogs, social networks, forums, uh, social media. But then you also had participation in English language social media. So they were jumping into the comment sections of English language news sites like Fox News, The Huffington Post, The Blaze, uh, Politico, World Net Daily. And so you might have encountered these yourself. You mm-hmm. might have gone into the comment section of a, of a news article in sites like this and seen, whoa, what is all this pro-Putin stuff saying Putin makes Obama look weak? What, why are there a hundred right. comments repeating this message? Or the, the I, I believe the internet phrase is, what a battery? Whereas yeah. Someone <laughs> says, whereas, <laughs> yeah. Whereas someone says, well, you know, the U.S., uh, what about the Trail of Tears, right? Yeah. That uh, chem- Crimea pa- pales in consideration of that, which it's, is true, but doesn't make either of them, you know, uh, look any better. I'm trying to think what's the name of that strategy and rhetoric. I don't think it's exactly the two Coke fallacy, which is the, you know, the one that yeah. says, but you're doing something too. Yeah. Well, maybe it might be that. I yeah. don't know, a well, form of that. We, um, we see a lot of the uh, the same rhetorical fallacies applied, like weaponized in this stuff. And uh, uh, what's a good example of these comments that you're talking about? Sure. Well, we've seen them popping up, especially with relation to certain news events, like the 2014-2015 conflict between Russia and the Ukraine, or after the assassination of the Russian dissident politician and activist Boris Nemtsov. Mm -hmm. So you would see articles about these subjects, and then the floodgates would open, and these people would come in, and they would be leaving all of these pro-Kremlin messages. And there there were a couple of major investigative reports on this that came out in the, the past year or two. One of them was a big original news piece done for BuzzFeed. And then another one, which I th- thought was an excellent read, was a New York Times profile by Adrian Chin of an agency called the Internet Research Agency, which is one of the... the <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think it has been since renamed and perhaps re- relocated. But it was the Internet Research Agency was is one of the main organizations that's been called out in this Kremlin online manipulator program. Hmm. And the idea is that it has all these people who come in, and according to the reports, like the ones given in this New York Times profile, every morning they'll sit down and they'll get a list of themes and opinions from the higher-ups. And it's their job throughout the day, and they work in like 12-hour shifts, to just slather these all over the internet. So one former worker said they'd have to do, uh, over a couple shifts, they'd do these these five political posts, ten non-political posts, and then 150 to 200 comments on other workers' posts. So creating this whole conjured-up ecosystem of opinion that is designed to look as if it's a true grassroots movement on the internet, right. yeah. but it's all just people who get a sheet in the morning that says, here's today's message. So I've got two quick things for, for this whole section. First, the thing that interests me is the schedule that they would keep. 
It was, I believe in the article, it said two 12-hour days in a row. The the one main former employee they talked to had this schedule. I don't okay, know if this okay. is every employee, but it seems like this was a common thing. So, yeah, yeah. two, two well, for in this one instance, at yeah. least, two 12-hour days in a row where you're just inundating the Internet with all of your stuff. Sure. And you get two days off. Yeah. And then you get back in there. And I was just trying to imagine how they would stagger employees in order to just have a constant stream. You might also be able to schedule a post. Oh, you, you could schedule a post for your days <laughs> off even. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. The scheduling. Like, how do you do that? I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be in charge of that. That I sounds mean, horrible. Uh, internet research agency, feel free to write us. Yeah. Well, that, that's entirely a possibility because <laughs> they have gone after people for talking about them before. Wait, uh, allegedly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah what we're are we not, talking? Let's we're hedge a little bit there. Here? What, what Yo, but this is all in the interest of hearing more information. You know, I, yeah. I want to, I want to hear your side of the story. So feel free to, uh, Feel free to write to me. Yeah, write to Ben. Do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, email me at uh, jonathan.strickland. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, uh, so that's that's uh, one of our friends, the co-host. You've heard him on Tech Stuff and uh, stuff that I want you to know before. But uh, I, what I love, I love the name of this thing or what these well, have been referred to. Yeah, one particular subset of these. So this is from the, that BuzzFeed original report I mentioned. They said that the Russian media analyst Vasily Gatov had a name for these accounts that suspiciously sometimes lack photos, lack biographical information mm-hmm. in the account profiles, and lack a posting history. And uh, Gatov would apparently call those dead souls. Which, uh, I don't know about you, Matt, but reminds me of uh, one of uh, our, it feels so dark and twisted to say this, but one of our favorite uh, names for any Russian project. Oh, the dead hand? The, or, wait, what do we call it? It's dead oh, hand. Oh, the yeah. dead hand, the perimeter system. Yeah, the, yeah. The fail deadly device. We yeah. called it something else we did? earlier on, and then we cut it out of the video. Oh, oh I can't remember what but, it was. Um, but dead, dead hand, you know, the, the, uh, counteract, the counteracting. The counterstroke. Right. The counterstroke. Yeah, it's yeah. a system, what was it, uh, designed so that if, like, uh, if intercontinental ballistic missiles took out all of the command centers yeah. in the Soviet Union, the right. system could still automatically respond with the deadly barrage. Yes. Yeah. And an indiscriminate one. This would be a, uh, it, it's interesting because it's designed to function after there's no continuity of government. Now, I, then this also, of course, is a different issue, but a lot of countries that have, uh, that have nuclear weapons have either a policy or an actual mechanism in place like this. The U.S., uh, you you know, I, I can't remember what it's called. Maybe it'll be called Project High Five or something. You know, just because <laughs> oh. of very different cultures. Yeah. But uh, but uh, this this is not listeners. This is not meant to pick on Russia. Russia. No, 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 no. They're Russia's not the example. only people doing it. Yeah. No. Not if, at, at all. And just like we said, that it might be in a a company's best interest. Sometimes uh, a country is an entity in international affairs. There is no such thing really as altruism. Um, Ethics fall beneath the heel of real politic. So this is another tool that countries can use to their advantage. China, Israel, the U.S., other countries have these things, and 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 Britain too, or excuse me, the United Kingdom. China has a massive army, uh, two in fact. One is called the Water Army, and that is a private group functioning to propagate Chinese um, official views, right? The views of officialdom. Or the Fifty Cent Army, no relation to the MC. Uh, the PRC is very open. 
about this practice, right? They have uh, certified training courses for the Internet users. They're pretty open about wanting to train large numbers of people to massage public opinion. It's a little bit different, though. This was different to me because it seems very inward-focused. Yeah, yeah. Trying to quell the opinions of people inside China about the the party. Right. Domestic unrest, you know. Uh, domestic unrest uh, is something that is often combated or, um, I guess, counteracted through the rise of nationalism in other countries. So you can see a lot of countries that are, are very troubled, have a lot of time invested by authority figures in um, fomenting uh, aggressive nationalism, right? And uh, this this is something that happens here. This is also compounded with a September two, 2013 law. I think I wrote 2103 here. Uh, 2013 law banning rumor-mongering online. Wow. <laughs> rumor-mongering. <laughs> right. What are you in jail for? I monger uh, rumors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this, uh, this shows that there's a move toward containing this, um, containing this domestic problem. But of course, this also, just like in the case of Russia, translates into English language, uh, English language forums, English language social media, where people are saying, well, what, what, uh, what do you guys expect? China to do it has a right to the sovereignty over the South China Sea or something like that, right? You know, I wonder if we one day will encounter a future where all of this leaves social media and forums and comment sections. So it's not on your Twitter feed. It's not in the comment section below the news article, but it's all relegated to Wikipedia edit wars. <laughs> Which is great. Wars, yeah. It's just these governments employing thousands of people to edit the Wikipedia pages for themselves, their allies, and their enemies abroad. You know, Joe, Matt, Noel, I have a few Wikipedia pages that I check in with about <laughs> once a month just to read the talk section. We don't you know, have one yet, by oh, the way. Oh, We don't have a Wikipedia yet. Guys, I have to share with you my yeah. favorite page on all of the web. All, all right. right. Yeah, it is, is the Zombocom. No, it, it is the wiki page. It is the wiki talk page for uh, TimeCube related edits <laughs> nice, to the article Greenwich Mean Time. <laughs> so it's this long, wonderful chronicle of one person who I think at some point creates sock puppet accounts to keep making edits. Uh, but anyway, there is <laughs> this, this person who wants to add a subsection to the page on Greenwich Mean Time to discuss TimeCube-related criticisms of GMT. <laughs> Finally, the truth is there. The truth is out there. Uh, still it, it haven't includes, covered that. It's got this thing that I that I quote sometimes. It says. Uh, the person who keeps making the time cube edits at some point says, you know, some of the time cube gibberish. It's like Earth has four corner day rotating through four corners oh. in 24 hour period. Yeah. And then the the ending is the punctuation disprove or accept. <laughs> wow. I love it. It should be so, noted the creator of the time cube is a native English speaker, is he not? Yes. I don't think it I, was this guy personally. No, I think or, it's a, or it could have been a sock puppet. That's what it's yeah. an advocate or a follower. Um, right. And he spoke at Georgia Tech a few years ago, didn't he? Or was it Yeah, he what? did. What? A few years ago and uh you can check out the TimeCube website if you wish. We talked about it off air before, but uh I I would say if you before you visit it 
block off some time and just prepare yourself. You know, have a cup yeah. of coffee beside you, maybe a beer if you drink. Not to be a downer, it's not all just sweet crankery. Sometimes no. there's some kind of mean racist stuff on there's there. Sometimes. Sometimes. There's some sexist stuff. It, yeah. it really depends because uh, the guy who was updating it, at least when I was reading it, would just go in whenever, I guess, the spirit moved him. Uh, so <laughs> like, like China um, – you know, Israel also takes an active and relatively non-secretive role in attempting to sway public opinion online. Uh, this this policy of image building overseas is not necessarily dependent upon paid advocates. Uh, there's a really interesting thing that happens with a uh, software program called Megaphone, right? And Megaphone hmm. would uh, Megaphone would sort of crowdsource what is called the brigading, and it's it's been characterized, um, it has, you know, it has been supported by, uh, officials in the government of the country, and it's been characterized not as crafting propaganda at, so much as, uh, combating what they see as, uh, anti-Israel attitudes is, is the phrase that I believe they use. While I hear what they're saying, it sounds like Cleverly crafted propaganda. That, even <laughs> right. That uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and uh, and this uh, the the software using there um, the software there is while it is um, or it was I don't know if it's still being used, but I, I can't imagine why the, why the government would quit using that or why these organizations would quit using it. But uh, the the software there is not unique. If we go over to the United Kingdom, we'll find the Joint Threat Research Intelligence Group, or JTRIG, which totally sounds like a street name. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used uh, they used some weaponized stuff. They have fake victim blog posts, honey traps, targeting activists, monitoring WikiLeaks, spying on YouTube or Facebook users. So be very careful when you click like on that next twerking video. Now, when it says spying on YouTube users, is that just looking at activity? That's all it is, right? It's not looking through the camera back at the YouTuber, right? Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Uh, well, that is, that is probably possible because there are also more aggressive techniques that JTrig is capable of, uh, such as changing the outcome of online polls. Oh, and the other, a lot of that software that we talk about, even the crowdsourcing stuff is oriented toward, uh, ballot stuffing. You know, if yeah. there's an online poll, they ask an opinion, uh, and then JTrig can also impersonate a user. So take take one of our online accounts and then transform it. But I, I say all this just to say that uh, one one thing that we can talk about is that the tactics of these accounts are evolving. You know, they are the tactics of these online manipulators. And we're seeing that as the cost of information continues to lower. The cost of communication, rather, continues to lower. Uh, propaganda and censorship, which used to depend upon the, um, I guess, the compartmentalization or the removal or omission of information, now thrives in the idea of inundating it, surrounding it with a bunch of garbage, and, and putting a haystack on the needle, in other words. Mm. And so with this, we see that... Um, Quantity becomes a quality all its own, and with all of the information out there, people are less and less uh, attractive as online manipulators. The future 
we would say, oh, and of course, sorry, I forgot to mention, let me just go ahead and say this to everyone I'm writing the email. Yes, the U.S. is in, has intensely researched uh, <laughs> software, yes. software to manipulate public opinion online. But, yeah, I believe uh, they, have they invested in software that allows like a single person to operate multiple different types of accounts to yes. comment on things without being detected for doing so? Yes, yes, and that software was, uh, purchase from a private company called Intrepid, and what we're seeing then is as humans are more and more admin positions rather than the infantry on the ground and the ongoing flame wars and cyber wars, ladies, gentlemen, and any software listening to the podcast now, we are entering the age of the bot. Right. I, I think it's pretty decisively clear that the future of online manipulation is bots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bots are already being used in online manipulation today, and I think they're only going to continue to replace human users, uh, especially because human users come with a lot of problems, mm-hmm. right? I, I covered these in the video, but just to go over them again, they're expensive. Like, yeah. you actually have to pay them, uh, depending on where it's being done. I mean, some you might have not have to pay as much as others, but in the New York Times profile of the Internet Research Agency, the former employee that they talked to the most claims that when she was there, she was paid 41,000 rubles a month, which they say is about equivalent to the salary of a tenured university professor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... Yeah. A, mm, what? Yeah, to to leave comments and, blo- and blog yeah. posts that, you know, that slam the leadership of Ukraine. But it's for national security. Uh, for yeah, right, Russia. national security. Yeah. The other boogeyman up there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another problem is they don't always keep secrets. I mean, you've noticed several times we've talked about these news articles. They mm-hmm. come from, like, former employees leaking information mm-hmm. about what they did while they were, they were at these organizations. So you can try to make a human employee keep their mouth shut. You can get them to sign an NDA. You can threaten them if they leak information, but still leaks are going to happen. They're just going to share information. That's sort of the nature of humans. We don't keep secrets. Bots keep secrets great. Really well. They're so good at it. Uh, then there's the other problem, Mm -hmm. which is that lots of these people whose job it is to leave comments are not very good writers. Oh, do we have some examples? Yes, we have one from that original BuzzFeed article that okay. you've referenced several times. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll just get into it. I think the whole world is realizing what will be with Ukraine. And only U.S. keep on f- around because of their great plans are doomed to failure. You know, that might serve one of the potential purposes of these online manipulators, which is if you're just trying to pollute these forums sure, with yeah. lots of sort of annoying messages and drive people away by by stinking up the place, that might do the job. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to disseminate the message that your leadership wants people to believe, that's not going to cut it. No, that's not going to cut it. Although I can I can immediately uh I can I can immediately see other other people sincerely liking that comment for one reason or another because let's remember because it's funny right yeah. or something like that <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh well but, and just yeah. really fast yeah. I I can imagine th- this is where it gets a little bit hazy for me because I can imagine that being a real comment of someone trying to write something in English who does not speak English, maybe even at all. But uh, in some of these English examples, it's clear that they're trying to make it look as if the commenter the, it, is an American gotcha, commenting gotcha. on yeah. this. Like, it, this is coming from you Americans. Mm-hmm. 
It's yeah. one of your own. That helps a lot. And uh, and this happens. I know, don't know if that's the case in that one sure, example you read, but, but this that, happens a lot in the U.S. too. I mean, we, you know, you can see one thing that we do know, especially about the states, is that. Uh, quite a few people here do not speak a foreign language, so it can be difficult to find people doing that. Yeah. So just imagine all the Mandarin language forums, Russian language forums that are replete with poorly worded Russian. Right. And, and you know, maybe yeah. maybe even accidental euphemisms would right. be hilarious. <laughs> right. So yeah, we could have uh, we could have U.S. government operatives leaving the the equivalent comments on right. sections all over in all different kinds of language based groups around the world, but bots could potentially solve this problem because if you can, all you need to do to get a, a bot that speaks a language pretty well is to cr- come up with it once, and then you can get that one bot to do the job over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty it's a pretty heavy initial investment, and it requires some stuff that, frankly, we don't even always know how to do all that well yet, like different types of artificial intelligence, sure. natural language processing. I mean, depending on how interactive you want it to be, mm-hmm. you could, with today's AI, just easily have a bot go spam comment sections sure, sure, with, sure. with the same messages over and over. If you wanted to be able to really interact with people in a convincing way, we would yeah. need better AI than we have uh yeah like the um the south pole uh bot that i built that just goes into places and goes south pole equals best pole lol uh it's, <laughs> it's pretty yeah, it's pretty popular his reddit karma is off the chain but uh but the um the, i see the point you're saying so how far along are we in this in this future of uh bots right oh i i mean i think I think the bot takeover of the online manipulation game is extremely close. It's already – we already see plenty of bots. If we're going to refer to the example of Russia's social media manipula- manipulators again, there is an article I read by an internet analyst named Lawrence Alexander for the uh, – it's, it's a blog called Global Voices Online. It comes uh-huh. from April 2015. And he claims that he used these open source social media analysis tools – to determine that a lot of the Twitter accounts mm-hmm. that are tweeting these pro-Kremlin messages over and over are, in fact, bots. According to his analysis, he, he said, I, you know, I've narrowed it down and I'm pretty sure I've, you know, identified like it was something like 20,000 pro-Kremlin bot Twitter accounts wow. that are just tweeting the same things. You could look at it as a bad investment because they're not really reaching many people outside of their own little networks of bots talking to bots. Then again, you could also say that, well, they're they're sort of changing the conversation from a macroscopic view. Like if you want to look at trending topics on Twitter Ah, or use the Twitter search function, these bots are going to be effectively polluting certain hashtags and topics with Mm -hmm. their message. There's uh, so so let's talk in like absolute numbers because I can see them changing the the macroscopic view on Twitter. um, But if. Is there a guess we could make about the hum- human-to-bot ratio? Well, <laughs> not so much. on. I don't know if we have an answer for that on social media and places where people are leaving comments. But on the web as a whole, there was this startling fact we learned from a uh, the web company Encapsula in 2013. They carried out a study where they eventually estimated that 61.5%, this is in 2013 now, uh-huh. 61.5% of all all traffic on the web is bot traffic. What? So only 38.5% of the agents visiting websites are human beings, according to them. So 
And this was in 2013. So listeners, <laughs> wait, yeah, and it's 2015 as we record this now. Listeners, Matt, Joe, do you know what this means? We're the minority on the web. We are. <laughs> oh no. Somewhere. Now I, now I don't, sorry, I hate to, yeah, no, it's no. I don't think that's necessarily true on like social media. Oh no, stuff. no, I doubt that. But, but on the web as a whole, we are the minority. Right, and that counts a lot of things like web crawlers. Yeah, and, uh, so like cataloging for search engines. Sure. That, that'll yeah. include, that's totally innocuous. They need to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's also including lots of, of, creepy stuff that we don't even understand necessarily what they're doing. They might be distributing malware. They might be link spamming. They might be doing all kinds of things that are not necessarily uh, altruistic. And and guys, to be fair, we are kind of the invaders of the internet space, right? (laughs) I mean, we we did their planet. We're colonizing it. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be, we're just going to be in um, millennia hence, we are going to be uh, the you know, like some some weird mention in their version of the Old Testament. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Like the uh, the the creators of the original OS. <laughs> yeah. Well, so to sum up, I, yeah. I would just say that bots are the future, and they they're pretty darn close to being the present of online manipulation. Mm-hmm. I think within within five to ten years, we're going to see this mostly being a bot enterprise, which is scary because then you can expand the volume of your online sure. manipulation massively without expanding the cost. And uh, it, you know, I blame me for being being a little bit too em- empathetic here, but. Uh, I would be concerned about people who depend on this for a livelihood. Yeah. You know, it's these, a lot of people aren't, even though they're expensive in comparison, a lot of people are probably, probably don't have a whole lot of job aspects. Guys, I can't believe that I'm doing that, that I'm, I'm worried about the people who are essentially spreading propaganda, but it's a, well, I mean, it's a way to put food on your family, food on the family. Wait, do you hear that? I, I do. Oh, oh, wait, no. It's a moment with Noel. Hello. Fellow human. How are you doing, buddy? You know what I'm doing? What are you doing? Um, did you guys ever do that thing where if you turn predictive text on, on an iPhone, you can just make these bizarro, like, random sentences that sound like strange, like, poetry slam kind Though of stuff? It's based on what you usually text, did not it? I think so, which makes it extra interesting. So I was just saying, this is what I came up with. <laughs> I'm so excited to be the first half of the day before I get a follow back on my way home from work to be the first half of the year. The only one who is the best thing ever is when you have to be a good day to be a good time to get a new one is the best. But the best thing ever is when you have to be the best of the day before I get my money to be able a new song. Whoa. <laughs> That's beautiful. And it sounds like you send a wow. lot of positive texts. Well, all this bot talk just reminded me of that. And I kind of had to figure out how to turn it back on. You have to type that into the Microsoft speech or something like that, yeah. record it, and then good. use it in a song. Yeah, yeah that's it's a Radiohead song, yeah. It, it totally does sound like a Radiohead song. I can hear I can hear. I'm the first yeah. half of the day. It's funny because it eventually <laughs> will get stuck in a loop where it just starts saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Then uh, you have to kind of change it up and add a V in there, and then it'll sort of switch up. But yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> just uh, for fun. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't tried that. Listeners, uh, Try that. And you know what? We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Are you down to read some, uh, predictive text emails if we get, if we get people to send them in? Sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, so we asked a question at the end of our video this week that I want to pose to all of you out there. It's not even really a question. It's a challenge. Ooh, Noel, can we pose it to you as well? Sure. Okay. Uh, I want you to prove to us and to me 
Matt Frederick the human, I swear that you are also human. Do you think it's possible? How do you how do you do that? Oh, and I, this is funny. I, I just watched uh, Ex Machina last uh-huh. night, which yes. is all about the Turing test. Heard it if was you good. guys haven't seen it, you should really check it out, everybody. I thought it was, it was probably my favorite sci-fi movie I've seen in a good a good amount of time. Yeah, really yeah. A Chandler's lot. a big fan. Yeah. Uh, one of our producers, Chandler, just turned around. Yeah, he heard he Noel talking about <laughs> yeah, I, talking I really, about really liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's a movie wreck as well. Indeed. Um, but is that a movie? How do you prove you're a person? It's complicated. I mean, the, the movie sort of deals with it on several levels, but I think the ultimate takeaway is it's it's very, very difficult to well, do. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. you specifically. Me? Yeah. I, I couldn't even start to do well, that for you. Now, do you remember the scene in, uh, did you ever read to Android's Dream of Electric Chief? Yes. And there there are a couple of great scenes in it where the... Yeah, like the, a battery of questions or whatever? Well, they had yeah. the Voight-Kampf test to decide if you're a replicant. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that, the the protagonist of the book starts wondering in a certain scene if he himself is a replicant. And I think he's standing in a room with someone else he suspects might be a replicant, and he doesn't know if which one of them is the real human. Wow. I mean, I think we've all been there, right? I'm there right now. (laughs) Uh, All right. So uh, hopefully you're right there on the same page with us, listeners. Uh, Again, thank you so much for checking this out. Um, That's a great question to pose, Matt, and uh, we'd love to hear your answers. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. We, uh, We swear it's us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's at least mostly you, but I'm on there sometimes. We're all uh, we're on there at, with our people fingers typing away on our people keyboards. Uh, who knows for how long? And we should come up with a code word or something. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, if you would like to uh, write to Joe, if you would like to check out some shows that Joe has done, Joe, I have to ask, where can people find you? Well, I also am one of the hosts of the Forward Thinking Podcast, which is a podcast about uh, science, technology, and the future, mostly a futurism kind of angle. And I'm also one of the co-hosts of Stuff to Blow Your Mind with Robert Lamb and uh, Christian Sager. And we talk about science, weirdness, monsters, psychology, Space, ghouls, darkness, everything you might find in the weirdest corners of your brain. Highly recommend both of those shows. Yeah, if you like our show, you'll like those as well. In the meantime, speaking of all, speaking of our shows, our best suggestions come from you guys. Uh, so, as long as you're not like driving or in the midst of some crazy strange adventure where you don't have time, uh, if you get a chance, if you have an idea for a topic or you just want to say hi, uh, then we're down to read it. Let us know what our next best episode is going to be. Uh, you can write to us directly at conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. 
freeze americano. Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far... I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.